This is a Faith FM podcast. You're listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Hello there, and thanks again for joining me once again. I'm Robbie Bergen, and you're listening to The Faith Experiment right here on Faith FM, and this is episode number 48 of The Faith Experiment, and I'm calling this episode Global Warnings and the End of the World. Now, on this episode, I have a fantastic little book that goes along with today's topic. It's called Signs of the Times, The End of the World. This is a great little book. You absolutely want to get it. You know that if I'm going to promote it, you need it. And this little book, I'm going to give it to you. If you can get today's code word, which I'm going to give during the show, you need to text that code word to the show number 04888 So take out your phone now. Save this number to your phone, 04888 and wait for today's code word. Well, on the Faith Experiment, I have been sharing with you the last few episodes a sort of little sub-series exploring the biblical manuscripts and their claim to be able to tell the future or reveal elements of the future. And so we've explored in our first part in this little mini-series Does the Bible have historical accuracy? And we have looked at archaeology and shown how that is absolutely spot on. The Bible has taken uh, hundreds of years, if not a thousand years, for science and archaeology to find the data to support the Bible's statements. And it has absolutely been 100% accurate. In our next presentation, we explored how that the Bible not only has historical accuracy, it has prophetic accuracy. And we looked at an amazing prophecy in Daniel chapter 8 about that ram and that goat where it talks about Greece conquering Medo-Persia. And it was this exact prophecy written 200 years before Alexander the Great was even born that was shown to Alexander the Great. And he was so impressed that he went around, marched his armies around Jerusalem and went on and conquered Medo-Persia, leaving Jerusalem to stand. He also commissioned the translation of the Hebrew manuscripts into the Greek language, which is today known as the Septuagint, and is the standard of Greek translations of the Old Testament. In our last episode, we looked at that amazing prophecy in Daniel chapter 2, which goes beyond Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome, and it comes right down to our time in a time where the Bible describes the Roman Empire wouldn't be replaced, but it would be divided. It would almost collapse into 10 distinct tribes, and that is exactly where we find ourselves with a divided Western Europe. The Bible makes those prophecies that these nations would attempt to reunite, whether it be through marriage or through politics or through force. And yet the Bible made the point very, very clear that it would not be united again. And then it culminated with that great scene of that rock that uh, comes and destroys that amazing metal man image in Daniel chapter 2, and that rock becomes a mountain that fills the whole earth. And that is the last empire. Now, if you have missed any of the previous episodes and you want to catch up some of the details, I would suggest you go to the App Store on your smartphone and download the FaithFM app or go to faithfm.com.au and look for the podcasting section and you will find the Faith Experiment right there 
and you can catch up on any of the details or episodes that you've missed. Alternatively, you can go check us out on all the good podcasting platforms and you can stay up to date with the amazing episodes of The Faith Experiment. Well, let me know where you're listening to The Faith Experiment from today. I would love to hear from you, your thoughts, your comments, your questions. Text them into to 0488845311 or you can email me on robbie at faithfm.com. Now, what is the faith experiment? If you're joining us for the first time, it's all about exploring faith and putting it into practice to see if it actually can do what it claims to do. So far, I have been experimenting with faith for about 20 years, and I have to tell you, it has been an amazing journey. Now, in this little series that we're looking at, we're looking at this, this premise that people have been asking me over the last couple of months, hey, the world is seems to be very, very unstable and it seems to be going really uh, downhill. What does the ancient manuscripts in the Bible talk about the future? Is there any hope for the future? And so we've been taking this premise and exploring these ancient manuscripts. Do they have what it takes to tell us the future? Are they reliable historically? Are they reliable prophetically? Well, I'd like to say, yes, they are. And then the next question is, do they talk about our time? Absolutely. Now, on today's episode, Global Warnings and the End of the World, it sounds rather gloomy and doomy, but it's actually an amazing aspect of hope for the future. So to set the scene, I want to take you back a little bit. I want to take you back just a few years to 2020, and it was an incredible year 2020 uh, for a number of reasons. I want to give you a quick recap of some of the things that you may have already forgotten had transpired. At the beginning of 2020, we started the year here in Australia with bushfires, big bushfires, hot bushfires, and devastating bushfires. But that whole summer of bushfires was replaced very, very quickly in the early weeks and months of 2020 with the coronavirus, or COVID-19 as it became known. And very quickly, we started seeing, by as early as March, the stockpiling of people um, taking stuff off the shelves of the supermarkets. The shelves were empty in most of the major supermarkets here in Australia. And then by March 24, we started to see growing unemployment lines as people started getting locked down. And while that was happening in Africa in March 2020, there was an incredible locust plague of the, of the size of biblical proportions is what the media was referring to it as. And then we jumped to April in 2020. There was a tornado season like none other that went across the United States, causing incredible destruction. There's been much talk about the end of the world for many, many years. In fact, since the start of the new millennium back in 1999, 2000, there was many people talking about the end of the world as we knew it. And it wasn't just religious people. There were thinking people around this world who were talking about this very topic. There's a professor in the University of Chicago called Bernard McGinn, and he wrote that over the past 30 years, more scholarship has been given and devoted to last day events, the study of last day events, than in the last 300 years. And so this professor is saying, listen, something's happening. People are more interested in the study of last day events in the last 30 years compared to the last 300 years. Something is happening. Now, in my library, I have a book by 
an author called Eugene Linden, and his book is called The Future in Plain Sight, Nine Clues to the Coming Instability. It's uh, not from a religious perspective. It's purely from a uh, observer, a, a thinking person's perspective. And in the book, of those nine clues, there are five that I'd like to share real quick. He says, number one, these cl- clues of coming instability in the world. Number one, a collapse of a global economy. Number two, migration of the poor to the cities. Number three, population explosion in urban and rural settings. Number four, global warming. And number five, economic disparity between the rich and the poor. And it's not just Eugene Linden. Uh, I think most people are aware of Dr. Stephen Hawking. He's passed away recently. But a few years ago, he's an astrophysicist. And a few years ago, he wrote, he said, I fear that since the evolutionary process has worked through the dialect of determinism and aggression, our long-term survival and any hope of our species is in question. However, if we can keep from destroying each other for uh, the next hundred years, sufficient technology will have been developed to distribute humanity to various planets and then no one tragedy or atrocity will eradicate us all at the same time. That's Dr. Stephen Hawking, an astrophysicist. He since passed away. But this is what he wrote thinking about the, the, the world in which we live. He said, listen, we are going to wipe ourselves out. There will be some kind of destruction that will wipe out our planet. And so we need to think about a solution. And the solution, according to one of the leading minds of the modern sort of human history, Dr. Stephen Hawking, Hawking's, his solution is that we should develop technology and travel to different planets. That's how we will survive. Now, that's all a bit gloomy and doomy, but that's got nothing to do with religion, nothing to do with biblical manuscripts. We want to go back to the biblical manuscripts and see what does the Bible teach about this idea of global warnings and uh, end of the world. Does it teach that? Or is there something else? Well, we're going to take a short break now. When we come back and get into this topic, global warnings and the end of the world, we're going to dig straight back into the biblical manuscripts and see what it teaches on this very interesting topic. Stick around after the break for the code word to get today's great giveaway. I'll see you right after this on The Faith Experiment. You're listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Connect with us via text message on 4 That's 4 Or send an email to robbie at faithfm.com.au.
Australia, right here on Faith FM. Listen live or listen later. Get the Faith FM app from your app store today. Welcome back to the Faith Experiment. I'm Rory Bergen, and this is episode number 48 of the Faith Experiment called Global Warnings and the End of the World. Coming up soon is today's co word to get today's great giveaway, a book that's going to help you in your study, Signs of the Times and the End of the World. On this episode, we were saying before the break how that there are thinking men and women around this world who are asking questions about about what does the future hold and is there any hope for humanity? These are thinking men and women who are looking at the signs and the data around them and they're saying, hey, there is something going down. Now, we're going to jump back into these biblical manuscripts. We're going to go back about 2,000 years to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, we're going to pick up a conversation where the rabbi Jesus is having a uh, private conversation with his disciples there on a mountain in the outskirts of Jerusalem. In 31 AD, Jesus made very specific predictions concerning Jerusalem, the temple, and the Jewish nation, which, as we'll see, have been precisely fulfilled. In the book of Matthew And in chapter 24, we find this conversation taking place. The followers of Jesus ask Jesus, Jesus, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the world? Now, Jesus answers the second part of their question concerning the end of the world. And he gives amazing predictions and signs concerning what would take place near the end. Signs that sound like the nightly news. But he prefixes all of this with two pictures that sort of serve as an allegory in how to handle and approach the subject of signs. The first one he gives, we read it in Matthew 24, verse 8. He says, all these signs are the beginning of birth pains or labor pains. Now, the interesting with labor pains is that they have two characteristics. They increase over time, both in frequency and intensity. And then Jesus gives a second allegory comparing it to a fig tree budding. He says in Matthew 24, verse 32, he says, now learn this parable from the fig tree. You see, 
when it's budding, you'll know the season is changing. Now, both of these two um, allegories have three things in common. They're both very visible. You can visibly see that labor is progressing. You can visibly see that the, the fig tree is budding fruit and getting ready. And number two is they're both progressive. Once they start, they have to progress until they're finished, whether the baby is born or the fruit is ripe. And then that third thing is they're climactic. There is an end to both of these processes. And so when we come to looking at the signs that Jesus is going to give us in this coming discourse, these three characteristics are key to understanding how to read the signs, visible, progressive, and climactic. So Jesus provides us with five types of indicators or signs that the end is near. So the first category of signs comes from the natural world. Jesus firstly makes a prediction about earthquakes. It says in Matthew 24, verse 7, he says, And there will be earthquakes in various places. Now, the number of known earthquakes and deadly earthquakes has dramatically increased in the last hundred years or so. And think of the horrific, devastating earthquakes we've already had in recent years, like Haiti and, and Christchurch and Japan and Nepal, and then just recently in Syria and in Turkey. The first 10 years of the 20th century, there were 18 recorded earthquakes, over six on the Richter scale. In the last 10 years of the 20th century, there were 42 recorded earthquakes, over six on the Richter scale. In the first 10 years of the 21st century, there were 217 earthquakes, over seven on the Richter scale. And if you would look at this on a graph, you would see three striking things. Number one, that there are more earthquakes, and two, that they're increasing in intensity and in frequency, exactly in the way in which Jesus alluded to it in his discourse on that mountain. The next thing in the, in the natural world he spoke of was famines. He said there will be famines in Matthew 24, verse 7. And who can get those images of starving children out of your minds, of 24,000 people dying per hunger per day? That's one every 3.6 seconds. That's an absolutely shocking statistic. And did you know that 500 plus million people are desperate for a meal today? And that 925 million go to bed hungry every single day? It's exactly as was predicted. As we move down the, the, the annals of time in on this old rock, we are going to find ourselves in more and more of a situation where there are more people and less food and greedier corporations and famines will prevail. The other thing Christ predicted in this in this passage is the prediction of tsunamis and cyclones and floods. He says there will be distresses of the nations and perplexities with the seas and the waves roaring. And Time magazine over the last probably 10 years has been reporting on increasing wild weather events. The nations are anxious because of the terrifying events that we're seeing and what's expected in the future. He also spoke of pestilence, which is the word for disease, pest or plague. He says there will be pestilence in various places, and we've seen our fair share 
of these sorts of things in recent time, haven't we? But I want to take you back a little bit. In 2003, when I first started tracking this sort of information, there was a, a cow disease. It was called mad cow disease. And then by the end of 2003, there was an outbreak called SARS. I was traveling in different airports around the world at that point, especially in Asia, and everyone was wearing masks and having the temperature checked, and there was hotel quarantine and all sorts of crazy stuff happening. But then 2003, we saw the advent of H5N1, or more commonly called bird flu, that affected large population centers of uh, Asia. And that was followed in 2009 by N1H1, or swine flu. And that was a, a really bad case of, uh, yeah, sweats and all sorts of horrible things. I actually got that one when I was living in Taiwan. wasn't nice at all. And then in 2015, MERS hit, which stood for Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome. It was a coronavirus, um, and it was basically very, very similar to what we've all called COVID-19. So that was in 2015, and it affected people until 2018. And then in 2018, there was an enormous outbreak of Ebola in Africa. And of course, by the end of 2019, beginning of 2020, you don't have to tell you anything about coronavirus or COVID-19. And as I mentioned earlier, there was a great pestilence in 2020 of locusts. They called it biblical proportions affecting large portions of Africa. If you go to a website called Our World in Data, it's purely a data website. It's got nothing to do with religion, uh, hopefully not politics. But if you look at the, the filter on global related natural disasters by type, you'll find something astounding. Their data goes back to 1970, and uh, if you track the trend, you'll see an unbelievably undeniable increase in intensity and frequency of all natural disasters by type. So these are some of the signs that Jesus said we should be expecting to see increasing in intensity and frequency before his return in the environmental world or the natural world. The next category we're going to look at right after the break is the signs in the political world. So stick around. I'll be back after the break with the Faith Experiment, and we will have that code word come out very, very soon to get your free giveaway today, a little book called Signs of the Times and the End of the World. I'll see you right after this on the Faith Experiment. The Faith Experiment is made possible because of people like you. If you enjoy what we are doing, please consider supporting us by making a donation on our website at faithfm.com.au slash donate. Every time I try to make it on mine Every time I try to stand, start to fall And all those lonely roads that I traveled on There was Jesus When the life I built came crashing to the ground When the friends I had were nowhere to be found I couldn't see it then, but I can see it now Well, there was Jesus In the waiting, in the searching In the healing, in the hurting Like a blessing buried in the broken pieces 
to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Welcome back to The Faith Experiment. I'm Ray Bergen, and this is episode number 48 of The Faith Experiment, which I'm calling Global Warnings and the End of the World. And coming up is the co-word for today's great giveaway, Signs of the Times and the End of the World. On this episode, we are looking at the biblical teachings and predictions regarding the signs of the times before Jesus returns. And we're looking at this from Jesus' own teachings. Before the break, we looked at the signs, the five signs that Jesus gives. The first sign we've looked at is signs in the natural world. We looked at pestilence and viruses. We looked at earthquakes and natural disasters. The second sign that he is giving is in the area of the political world. And we pick up this 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 discourse in Matthew 24, verse 6. Jesus says, listen, you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. Right now, today on our planet, did you know that every year for the last few years, there have been more than 30 wars fought which is astounding to think of, especially when we live in a place like Australia and we don't really have any uh, sense of uh, what that means. But there are plenty of places around the world each year that live in active conflict zones. In fact, the statistics tell us that $100 million U.S. dollars is spent on war every single hour. I mean, think about that. 
with that sort of money, every every major health crisis on this planet could be resolved. We could have clear, clean water for every person. We have food for every person. But no, instead, we as humans decide, let's spend it on trying to kill each other. So Jesus says in verse 7, he says, Nations will rise against nations and kingdoms will rise against kingdoms. And then Revelation chapter 11 and verse 18, Jesus says, The nations will be very, very angry before his return. And think about this. There are some 27,000 nuclear bombs in stock right now among the nations. That's enough power to destroy our planet many times over. Jesus predicted international conflicts on a global scale right before that last empire would be set up. And that's exactly what we see. Again, if we go to our world and data and look at some of the charts, you'll see that over the last 1,500 years, there has been an exponential growth in human population. But just as equally, there's been an exponential growth in the death of people as a result of these world conflicts. So Jesus was spot on once again. He talked about there would be signs in the natural world, which we've seen, with an increase in intensity and frequency, just like those labor pains or that that uh, fig coming to fruition. The next category Jesus gives us, category number three, is in the social world. He talks about moral decay in society just before his return. He says in Matthew 24, verse 12, he says, And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. One of Christ's followers, Paul, he made some mind-boggling predictions about society at the end of of time or right before the return of Jesus. And they read just like our nightly news. Notice what he predicted just before the last empire would be set up. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, he says, Know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong and haughty. He clearly predicted a lawless and loveless age just before Jesus' return. The question is, is that happening today? Is this a description of the world in which we are living in today? Our world in data, when you look at the violent deaths and the conflicts of one side of violence since 1989 when they started collecting data, you see a trend once again, an increase in intensity and an increase in frequency. In fact, this statistic is shocking. The average number of children killed by their very own parents every single year in the United States is five. Can you imagine 500 children being killed every single year by their own parents? Truly, we are living in a generation where love and natural affection is disappearing from among us. Now, if uh, you think about school, 
schools have a tough thing. I've got a number of friends who are teachers and they, they're struggling with some of the issues that they deal with in their school systems today. But in 1940, I find this amazing. The Reader's Digest put out a, a, a survey, a finding of a survey about what the biggest problems were in schools in the 1940s. And they compared it to what the biggest problems were in the early 2000s. Now, this is going back almost 20 years. So you can imagine it's, uh, it's a little bit different. But in 1940, the number one problem in our schools, this was the number one disciplinary problem in schools, was talking out of turn. That was the number one problem, meaning the, the students didn't raise their hand to, to answer the question. They just blurted it out. That was the number one problem of disciplinary issues in 1940. Number two, the number, uh, the number two problem was chewing gum in class. The kids were chewing gum in class. That was the number two problem that teachers had to deal with in the 1940s. Number three was making noise. Number four was running in the hallways. Number five was cutting in line. Number six was dress code infraction. And number seven, the number seven problem in 1944, teachers and disciplinary issues of the students was littering. Now, I want to compare that to what they found asking the same question in the year 2000. The number one problem in the early 2000s for school disciplinary problems was drug abuse. Number two was alcohol abuse. Number three was teen pregnancy. Number four was suicide. Number five was rape. Number six was robbery. And number seven was assault. Now, think about this for a second. That's 60 years difference between 1940 and the year 2000. If you happen to visit this planet in the 1940s and have a look around and then go away for 60 years and then return back in the year 2000 and you looked at the same population, the same schools, you would think that you came to the wrong planet. You would think the change was so dramatic that it possibly could not be the same planet. And yet this is the place we are living. As Jesus predicted, societies, attitudes and values and morality would be changing. And we have seen that happen in just our own lifetimes. And you can just imagine the problems that we, our teachers are facing today. It's not uh, uh, chewing gum. I can tell you that right now. So we have seen society start to go the wrong direction. But the fourth sign Jesus gives us is in the religious world. Jesus warned of an increase in religious cults as we near his return. He says this in Matthew 24, verse 24. He says, for there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and they shall show great signs and great wonders. Now, the world has witnessed their fair share of false prophets and messiah-like figures in recent years. If you go back a few years, you'll have people like the Jim Jones and the David Koresh's of the world. And yet today, right now, in 2023, there are Jesuses, I put this in air quotes, living among us. For example, if you went to Siberia, you would find Siberian Jesus, who has over 50,000 followers in 83 different communities, and uh, he believes that he is Jesus in the flesh. A few years ago, there was another Jesus, Jesus of Miami, and he claimed to be the sinful Jesus. And his great uh, claim to fame was that he came to liberate us so that we could enjoy the sins of this world. He had 2 million followers in 30 countries until he died just a few short years ago. Then you go to South Africa right now today, and you'll find a South African Jesus who has about 40 disciples, 
Or you can go to Zimbabwe and meet Zimbabwean Jesus. He has a number of different names. His disciples refer to him simply as Jesus, and he spends his day driving taxi cabs, spreading the gospel and preparing the world for the kingdom of God. Or you can go to Tokyo, where Jesus in Tokyo is running for local government. Now, Jesus also taught that there would be an increase in secularism before he returned. He asked the question in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 18, verse 8. He says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Isn't that remarkable that Jesus is asking the question, when he returns, will there be faith on the earth? And a classic evidence of this is the widespread disbelief in the Bible. Even many Christians don't believe in the Bible or parts of the Bible. For example, one of Christ's followers, the Apostle Peter, he predicted that in the end times there would be disbelief in the biblical teaching of a creator God. Now, I'm not going to argue here one way or the other for evolution or creation. I'm just pointing out that 2,000 years ago, a prediction was made that as we get closer to the end time, the people living at that time would not believe in the idea that a God created the world. This is what he said. He said, knowing this first, that in the last days they will willfully forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water they willfully forget. And today this prediction is incredible because some 2,000 years later people now walk around thinking that they came from pretty much anything and anyone except for God. And that wasn't the case until probably about the last 200 years or the last 2,000 years. So it's a remarkable prediction indeed. And finally, Jesus talks about a fifth sign, which is signs in the financial world, which we're going to look at in an upcoming episode in great detail. So the global warnings are in, according to Jesus. There will be signs in the natural world, in the political world, in the social world, in the religious world, and in the financial world. But the question is, so what? Well, I'm going to pick that up right after the break, right here on The Faith Experiment. We're going to take a short break now. Stick around until after the break. The code word is coming up to get your amazing free little booklet, The Signs of the Times and the End of the World. I'll see you after this, right here on The Faith Experiment. If you have enjoyed this episode of The Faith Experiment, please help us get the word out by sharing our podcast with your friends and family. And don't forget to like us on Facebook.
The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right here on Faith FM. Welcome back to The Faith Experiment. I'm Robbie Bergen, and you're listening to episode 48 of The Faith Experiment, which I'm calling Global Warnings and the End of the World. And this is a little continuation of a sub-series here on The Faith Experiment where we're exploring the question of what does the future hold? Can we know the future? Does the Bible have the answers? And if so, what does it mean for us today as faith experimenters. We've looked at how the Bible has biblical, historical accuracy, and we've seen how that archaeology has proven that time and time again by uncovering things like the Rosetta Stone, the Behistun inscription, the Dead Sea Scrolls. We have been able to unlock and collaborate biblical accounts from other civilizations, from the Egyptian account and from the Mesopotamian accounts. We've also seen how the Bible makes amazing predictions that have proven to be perfectly fulfilled. Their track record is spot on. On. We looked at an amazing prophecy in Daniel chapter 8. And then we saw that in Daniel chapter 2, there is prophecies that don't just deal with ancient history, but they come all the way down into our very own time where we're living right now. And we saw how that, that amazing prediction, Daniel 2, it talks about, it leaves you on a cliffhanger with this picture that Rome 
divides into those ten divisions, and those ten divisions are trying to come back together unsuccessfully. They will try through marriage, they will try through um, a force, they will try through politics and diplomacy, but they will not unite again until that final great empire comes and establishes a, a new order of things. So we have seen that the Bible well and truly does have these prophecies that we can depend upon. But the question is, what does that mean for us today in 2023? Well, we looked at before the break how that 2,000 years ago, thereabouts, the rabbi Jesus, he is uh, walking through Jerusalem and his disciples turned to him and asked him, when will you return? What will be the signs of your return and the end of the world? And Jesus responds to them very clearly, very succinctly. He says, listen, I'm going to give you a, a series of indicators. But to understand these indicators, I want you to know these two allegories. I want you to know that there is the allegory of childbirth or labor pains. You see, there is a, a, a process in which pain increases in frequency and intensity until a climactic event arrives. The baby is born. And the second example is similar to that. It's the budding of the fig tree. There's the flower and then there's the bud and then there's the, the little fruit and the fruit ripens and then finally it's pickable. They're both climactic. There's an ending point in sight. And so Jesus then laying this foundation, he moves into what some of these end time events and these indicators will look like. He gives us five different categories, and we've we've unpacked those before the break. There was the signs in the natural world. He talks about earthquakes and famines and pestilence and tsunamis. And then he gave us signs in the political world. He talks about wars and rumors of wars and conflict. It will progress and continue right to the end of time. And remember, we're looking for signs that are increasing in intensity and increasing in frequency. And then sign number six was in the social world. He talks about a time that before he returns, there will be a society that will have no love for one another, and it will turn away from morality and become a lawless generation. He also speaks to the fact that there'll be widespread disbelief and secularism before he returns. And he asks the question, will there be faith found on the earth when he returns? But the question we need to ask ourselves now is, so what? So why do we need these signs? What do we need to know about these signs? Okay, we can see just as a brief survey here on this episode, we can see that things taking place in our world today have definitely been increasing in intensity and in frequency. But what does this mean? What does it matter? Well, notice what Jesus's friend Peter says. He says in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 3, he says, When you see all these things, all these signs, know that Christ's return is near. This is absolutely remarkable. When you see these signs, the intensity, the frequency, when you see it increasing, know that these things, the second coming of Jesus, is near. So when you see these things, I want you to remember something. I want you to remember that question that we started with 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem. They asked the question, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end 
of the world. Their question was about Jesus' return and the end of the world. And this brings us back to that dream that Nebuchadnezzar had, which we saw in our previous episode. Remember that great metal image with its golden head, which represented Babylon from 605 to 539 B.C.? And then its silver chest, which represented Medo-Persia from 538 to 331 B.C.? And then that bronze waist representing Greece from 331 B.C. to 168 B.C. And then those legs of iron representing the Roman Empire from 168 B.C. down to 476 A.D. And how that Roman Empire collapses into those ten tribes which make up Western Europe. And this prophecy predicts that this would occur from the fall of Rome in 476 A.D. And it would be that way until what it calls the end. And the end is when that great stone cut out without hands hits that statue on its feet and obliterates the kingdoms of this world and becomes that great final last empire. Notice what Daniel said in Daniel chapter 2 verse 44. He says, and in the days of these kings, that's divided Europe, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed and it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. In other words, during the time of divided Rome or Western Europe, our time, this is our time the prophecy is talking about, the Bible says that God will set up his kingdom, the last empire. That's what this stone represents. This is the last empire that takes over the nations of this world at the return of Christ, which in his own words marks the end. Of the world as we know it. But what will this last empire be like? The book of Revelation gives us a little insight into this last empire. It says, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, and there shall be no more pain, for the former things are passed away. And then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. The last empire will be a place of no tears. We've all shed too many tears. We've seen too many tears shed on this rock that we live on. There'll be no more pain in this world. Imagine a world where there is no more pain. We will never experience pain again. There'll be no more sorrow. Our hearts ache when we see the carnage and the sorrow beyond description. And we thank God that there is coming a day when there'll be no more sadness. And it says there'll be no more death. We've stood over too many open graves, sobbing out our goodbyes to too many friends and loved ones. But there's coming a day when God will say, there shall be no more death. Our world desperately needs this last empire. Daniel signs off as he talked with the king. He said, the great God has shown the king what shall come to pass in the future. The dream is certain and the interpretation is sure. Just as surely as Babylon was followed by Medo-Persia, and Medo-Persia was followed by Greece and Greece by Rome, and Rome was divided and became the nations of Western Europe. And based on these five indicators that Jesus has given us, we can be certain 
that the last empire will follow very, very soon. Now listen, I'm not a prophet. I'm not even the son of a prophet. But I'm going to make a prediction right here, right now for you. Are you ready for this? I predict that tonight when you go to bed, when you sit on the side of your bed, you're going to take your shoes off or your slippers or your thongs off your feet. You're going to take them off your feet. And when you look at your feet, I want you to say this to yourself. That's where we are today. Down in the feet of iron and clay. It's weak. It's divided. It's soon going to pass away. And what will be the next thing? Christ and his coming empire and all of eternity be. Friends, we are living in an exciting period of human history. But what should our reaction be based on what uh, these amazing passages have been trying to reveal to us? Well, I want to leave these words with you from Jesus in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 21. And in verse 28 it says, Now when you see these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your heads, because your deliverance is approaching. In other words, the last empire begins, and this is our great hope. These predictions all point to hope, the hope that the last empire is about to appear, the last empire with no tears, no pain, no sorrow, and no death. Now, as I mentioned top of the show, I have this great book to give to you today. It's called Signs of the Times and the End of of the world. And this little book is going to give you a lot of the examples that I've shared on today's episode. So it's a great review book. It's also a great sharing book. You don't want to miss out on getting this great opportunity absolutely free. To get today's free offer, you want to text to the Faith Experiment number 04888453111. That's 04888453111. You want to text today's code word. And here it is. It's the hash symbol FE48. All one word, no spaces. Hash FE48. Text that to our number 04888 and the Faith FM giveaway bot will reply to you asking you for some details. So, once again, today's code word is hash FE48. That's hash FE48. Text it to 04888 Well, that's all we have time for today. I'll catch you next week at the same time right here on Faith FM for the next episode of The Faith Experiment. I'll see you then. You have been listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Connect with us via text message on 0488 453 11. That's 0488 453 11. Or send an email to robbie at and let us know what you thought of this episode. If you have enjoyed this episode of The Faith Experiment, please help us get the word out by sharing our podcast with your friends and family. And don't forget to like us on Facebook. Hey, guess what? Robbie here. This is a bonus. The Faith Experiment is going to be going live. Not on radio, but in person. Check out faithfm.com.au slash events to see where I'll be visiting next. I'll be visiting towns and cities right across Australia presenting the faith experiment in person. So if you'd like to join me, come say hello or just dig deeper into these amazing manuscripts and put some faith into experimentation, check out faithfm.com.au slash events and see where I'll be visiting next.